Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 364. Rupted. And remember, speak least if you would be most often heard. Oh, he drew a sealed letter from his breast pocket. Here's your letter of introduction. I may send another copy by post, just so he knows to expect you. I gave him a broad smile and gripped his arm. Thank you, Den. I said earnestly, for everything. I appreciate all of this, more than you know. Thrape waved the comment aside. I know you'll do splendidly. You're a clever boy. Mind that you find a good tailor when you get there. The fashions will be different. As they say, know a lady by her manner, a man by his cloth. I knelt and opened up my loot case. Moving the loot aside, I pressed the lid of the secret compartment and twisted it open. I slid Thrape's sealed letter inside, where it joined the hollow horn with Nina's drawing and a small sack of dried apple I had stowed there. There was nothing special about the dried apple, but in my opinion, if you have a secret compartment in your loot case and don't use it to hide things, there is something terribly, terribly wrong with you. I snapped the clasps closed, refastening the lid, then stood and gathered up my belongings, ready to board the ship. Thrape gripped my shoulder suddenly. I almost forgot. Alvaron mentioned in one of his letters that the young people in his court gamble. He thinks it's a deplorable habit, so stay clear of it. And remember, small thaws make great floods, so be twice wary of a slow-changing season. I saw someone running down the dock towards us. It was the pinch-faced man who had passed Elodin and me on the stone bridge earlier. He carried a cloth-wrapped package close under one arm. I'm guessing that's their missing sailor, I said quickly. I'd better get aboard. I gave Thrape a quick embrace and tried to get away before he could give me any more advice. But he caught my sleeve as I turned. Be careful on your way there, he said his expression anxious. Remember, there are three things all wise men fear. The sea in a storm, a night with no moon, and the anger of a gentle man. The sailor passed us and hit the gangplank running, unmindful of how the board jounced and clattered under his feet. I gave Thrape a reassuring smile and followed close on his heels. Two leathery Men hauled up the plank, and I returned Thrape's final wave. Orders were shouted, men scrambled, and the ship began to move. I turned to face downriver, towards Tarbine, towards the sea. And the end of the chapter! End the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. So the guy boards the ship before Quoth. I guess he's just assuming that Quoth's about to get on? Yeah, I think he's he sees Quoth... Talking with Thrape with his luggage. I think it's a fair assumption. Mm. All right, all right, all right. So there's a question, like he's the missing sailor. So that's something that I missed on the last page, that they're not waiting for another passenger. They're waiting for another member of the crew who hasn't shown up yet. Um, Which does raise the question, is this guy a regular member of this captain's crew or was he hired on recently? That might inform exactly what kind of, like, you know, how he got embroiled in the plot to kill Quoth and sink the ship. 
If we're sticking around with Nick's theory, I'd say probably he's a new addition that was like, hey, you need anybody to do some work for you as like a thing because he knew that Quoth was looking to go places. Maybe. Yeah, I suspect Rothfuss wrote the whole sequence and probably named this guy and has a backstory and they probably had like a whole, you know, novella's worth of information about the characters on the ship and the intrigue and, and the sinking. And then it was probably pointed out to him or he realized that it didn't need to happen. Like it, all that stuff kind of wasn't that important. All that needed to happen is the ship sank and he lost a bunch of his stuff and he ends up in Tarbine with nothing but his loot case. Um, so Tarbine, not Tarbine in yeah. Severin with nothing but his loot case. So all of it goes. So like, I'm, I'm sure there is a logic behind it and who knows, maybe we'll even find it out at some point, but Oddly enough, this is one of those things that where while there's definitely a conspiracy to unravel, I'm not that interested in it. <laughs> I also like that Rothfuss reminds us that not only does Quoth have this nice loot case, but that the loot case has a, is water resistant and has a secret compartment. And that's where Quoth is storing all his like plot relevant quest items. Yeah, which of course helps later when everything he has gets lost except for what's in the loot case. Yeah. And it's yeah, well, yeah, it, and they tell us all of what's in there. So, well, we can talk about this in in the recurring segment we have about Quoth's inventory, because in the previous chapter we know that he has several important items not on him. He left them with Devi, and he has some important items that are on him, but they're hidden safely in the safe in the compartment of the loot case. So we we know now that there are some things he needs to, you know to have with him on this trip that he couldn't safely stash, but Rothfuss has to account for where they end up. Mm -hmm. Also, I want to touch on uh, the word den used. So Thrape's, I guess, first name. Uh, Someone in the chat mentioned this and I actually don't know the answer to it. And it's, is this the first time we've heard Quoth actually call Thrape by his informal first name or nickname? I think so. It's certainly jumps out to me it's i seem to recall at some point he said oh call me den and quoth i don't remember what what quoth said so if somebody does remember feel free to write in and correct us but this does uh stick out on this page maybe it's just because quoth in his mind always calls him thrape uh but it does it is a bit of informality that is striking yeah i don't think it's the first time we've heard den before but it's the first time quoth has said it out loud that we've seen and of, co- of course, he shares a name with Denna. He's Denna's father. No. <laughs> yes. What? Ray Denna. Den Skywalker. Uh, God help us. Um, so Thrape is quite anxious in this passage. He's like giving Foth advice. And some of it seems specific to the, the mayor's court. And some of it seems like the kind of generic claptrap that Polonius tells uh, Laertes. Like the... The reason that scene in Hamlet is funny is because Polonius's advice is cliched and or contradictory because he says, you know, like, don't borrow and don't lend, but also like, you know, don't do this, but also do this other thing. And above all, just be yourself. Like, that's what that speech is about. And Thrape is kind of doing a similar thing, especially when he says, like, small thaws make great floods, so be twice wary of a slowly changing season. Like, what does that mean? What does that have to do with anything? Like, that's just like weather advice. Like, what are you on about? Yeah, it's very poetic and like confusing. <laughs> well, I, I think I think you're right, Jeremy, that it is 
it, it smacks of the Polonius scene where it's a kind of uh, irrelevant old person trying to be important to somebody. And I think that tells us a lot about Thrape's character where he does care about Quoth and he does want to seem wise and fatherly and important to him, but he doesn't really have that much to say of worth. And I also think that something we maybe haven't touched on a lot is that this is a big deal for Thrape. Thrape getting to do a favor for Mayor Alvaron by sending him this guy. The stakes are high for Thrape, right? If Quoth does a good job, then Thrape is in Alvaron's good books. He's done a huge favor for him. And if Quoth fucks it up, then he, you know, he damages his relationship with with uh, between Thrape and Alvaron. So there's more going on than just Thrape doing Quoth a favor. Quoth is like a a pawn in a game between uh, nobles of vastly different power. Didn't I say that yesterday? Uh, perhaps I, I, I did. Um, but I mean, I agree with you, you know, we're, we're of a mind on this, but also if, if Thrape is in on it, if Thrape knows that something bad is going to happen on this journey to Quoth, then the last thing he says to Quoth is not just him repeating a well-worn phrase, but him actually trying to warn Quoth, you know, be careful, right? Because Quoth basically says, okay, buddy, I gotta go, sorry. And Thrape grabs him and says anxiously, you know, the remember, be careful on your way there. There are three men, all wise men fear, the sea in storm, a night with no moon, and the anger of a gentle man. And all of those could be warning him about his journey and the mare, right? Because he does get shipwrecked in a storm. He does get sucked into Fey on a night with no moon. Yeah, and like... Maybe I'm misremembering, but I feel like the mayor, who is normally a kind of gentle man, gets angry with him. But maybe I'm wrong about that last one. So it, I mean, like, I think that's a I think that's a fair reading of it. Do you think Thrape knows something? Like, do you think that he grabs him and this is the message he is actually trying to impart? I I he don't let him think go that. Until he gets it out. I don't think that, but I think that this is strong evidence. If you do think that, that's 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 what I'm saying. Like, I can see why someone would think that. I just don't. Hmm. Interesting. Apparently, Quoth does call him Den a couple times in Name of the Wind. Hmm. But I don't think that removes the importance of uh, of him saying it here, the intimacy of it. Reasonable. Also, another kind of saying that has a similar meaning to one in our world, when Thrape says, as they say, know a lady by her manner, a man by his cloth. That basically, the second part of that is clothes make the man, right? So what is the first part of it meant to be? Like, you can tell a lady from a woman by her manner, right? The way she comports herself in polite Oh, I see, I see. You can tell a man by his dress. You can tell what kind of person he is by the way he dresses. I don't know if there's a real world equivalent. But wait, why wouldn't that follow for women? Because women all wear the same thing. They all have, like... Do they? <laughs> well, well n- men, arguably men all wear the same thing. Men wear, like, men have no options for a fancy dress except for suits. But that was not always the case. In the Renaissance, ooh, ooh. it was the opposite. Men wore elaborate jewelry and fancy frock coats and stockings and earrings and wi- wild ruffs. And women, by comparison, were a lot more reserved in their fashions. It's only in the, like late 19th and 20th centuries that the, the the script kind of flipped and it became more common for men to like have more limited options like the suit as you say in women's fashions were allowed to become more expressive 
So interesting. If Foth's world is in many ways similar to Renaissance Europe, and I wonder if that is one of the ways that men, at least in some cultures, it's the men who are more flamboyant in their dress. I don't recall that happening when Quoth arrives in in Severin, but I do agree that this is a Rothfussian reinterpretation of the phrase clothes make the man, which is something that he does a fair bit. Oh, well, that phrase in our world was coined by a famous uh, fashionisto named Beau Brummel, who was like the trend-setting oh. fashion guy in the 18th century. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, Rothfuss does this several times where he kind of adapts a common idiom uh, for his world, which I think is neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like there's only one more note we have to cover. Yes, my note, my final note. This is the end of a chapter. This chapter was called All Wise Men Fear, obviously referring to what Thrape said about the three things that all wise men fear. Uh, and it's my favorite kind of, of thing because it's a thing where they drop the name of the book that you're reading and a line in the text. We love to yeah. see it, folks. <laughs> also, about the title, because the title of this chapter is not exactly the same as, say, the title of the book, right? The title of the book is The Wise Man's Fear. So it is a fear of a wise man. But the title of the chapter is All Wise Men Fear, which implies that to be a wise man is to fear. Mm. Which ah. is a different sentiment. Mm. Ah, and maybe that's what Thrape is. Maybe Thrape is the wise man who has a healthy fear of what Quoth is getting himself into. See, Jeremy, there's always a way to make it apply to something else. <laughs> yeah, I know. I like that one. I like that one. Oh, great. Yeah, this is, I, I too, I really enjoy when they say the title of the thing. It's like that scene in Empire Strikes Back where they say, oh no, the Empire is striking back. And then, of course, the final shot of Return of the Jedi is, quote, quote, is Luke looking up into the twin suns and saying, the Jedi have returned. Gives me chills every time. Okay, but the actual best example that is real is in Star Trek First Contact when James Cromwell's character goes, wait a minute, so you're saying you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek? Some kind of Star Trek? <laughs> it rules. It's yes, so good. Is the... <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is unironically good. All all writers should strive to include the name of their franchise in, in the book somewhere. That's right. Uh, and... Uh, We'll include the name of our podcast on tomorrow's page. Of uh, the wind. wind.